0: to Is It Halloween Yet? Episode 17, a spooky little podcast where we talk about all things horror and ask, is it Halloween yet? I'm afraid not, ghouls, ghosts, and goblins, but happy Halloween week. It's two days until Halloween. I'm your ghost dispenser. Let's see what we have on the slab this week. We've got horror news and the body horror palm-to-ore winning film, Tatine. <laughs> While Resident Evil news has been largely disappointing, we've got plenty of other spooky games to keep you… feeling creepy. First off, we did learn that we will be getting some DLC for Resident Evil Village to tide us over until a story expansion. However, Resident Evil VS, the multiplayer game that was scheduled to hit at the same time as Village in May, has been pushed to 2022. Square Enix gave us a view of what could have been this week when they showed us footage from the more horror-centric version of the 2013 reboot of Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider Ascension took place on an island where ghosts and monsters reigned with a six-year-old girl named Izumi. It makes me a little sad we didn't get to see a more colorful relaunch like this to Tomb Raider. I think this spooky tweet could have brought the series back to life instead of it laying in a languishing state now. Ever wonder what it would be like if you woke up with no memories and a terrible job at a haunted fast food joint? Happy's humble burger farm is just that. Explore the city, investigate obscura biotech, and fill orders at the game's namesake burger joint. But you better be perfect or happy the humble heifer. be after you. This game is headed to PS4, PS5, Xbox One and Series and Steam on December 3rd. Nintendo Switch fans will get a chance, but you'll have to wait until early 2022. House of Ashes has been out for a little under a week now, but we've already got news of the next Dark Picture anthology release, The Devil in Me. The teaser trailer showed us hydraulics implanted in decaying flesh and the voiceover of a man who exults the thrills of the kill. The trailer also revealed that The Devil in Me would be the season one finale. What does that mean for our future beloved annual thrill ride? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Doom Eternal's 6.66 update hits consoles this week and brought along with it horror Mode. We'll also see the launch of Battle Mode 2.0 that will include more competitive rank-based structure and a number of gameplay and balance updates. And another map. According to Bethesda, Shimigami Tensei 5 is just around the corner, and after such a long wait for the game, we got even more news about Day 1 DLC. The Digital Deluxe Edition will include all three Demon Subquests DLC, the most intriguing of which is called. Return of the True Demon that will let you fight the legendary nine fiends, including fan favorite the Demi Fiend from Shimagami Tensei 3 Nocturne. If you've ordered the physical version or pre-ordered the non-digital deluxe version, don't worry—you can pick up each DLC separately. Rage of the Queen and the Doctor's Last Wish DLC will set you back $2.99 each, while Goddess and Training DLC will be $4.99. And if you want to fight one of the strongest JRPG protagonists in gaming history, the return of the true demon dlc will cost you a pretty $9.99 i am so excited for shimikami tensei 5 the reviews have been coming in and people are saying it's hard and reminds them of of nocturne and that is good but it is also very scary nocturne was a game that made me cry with how hard it was uh I have vivid memories of sitting in my apartment, playing that game on PS2, and I cannot wait to play Shimogami Tensei V. And more so, I can't wait for the Switch audience, who seems to be down with JRPGs, to get their hands on Shimigami Tensei V. It's such a creepy, fun game. If you like Pokemon, it's like Pokemon with demons. If you like... Persona. If you like Persona, Persona. Shin Tensei is the main game that Persona stemmed from, so I highly suggest you check it out. Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield are headed to Fourth Night. You can get both of their OG skins and a special skin for each of them. You can get both of their OG skins and a special one for each of them. Jill's is the Resident Evil 3 Remake skin. And for Chris, you can get his Resident Evil Village skin. Both are out now. Twitch Sensation and Spooky Nightmare Fuel Phasmophobia got a big update this week, just in time for Halloween. The new ghosts and the new map, the Maple Lodge campsite, gives players a chance to hunt ghosts in a spooky setting of the woods. Kinetic Games also added a new Nightmare Mode to make the gameplay even more intense and challenging. Happy hunting! Evil Dead game publisher has announced that a Quiet Place game is headed our way in sometime in 2022. I can't wait to see what the game mechanics will be for such an interesting premise of a movie. We only have one little bite of TV news this week, so I'll squeeze it in here right before the movie news. David Gordon Green talks about the dual Hellraiser projects that are headed our way, including the one he's involved with at HBO. The movie, that has finished filming and is starring Jamie Clayton as everyone's favorite hell priest, is headed to Hulu next year. The HBO series that also has Clive Barker's blessing is being written by Michael Doherty, Mark Vernden, and has Gordon Green attached to direct the first several episodes. He was quoted as saying, It's a fun cultural experiment, right? To think that there's a crew and a concept for a series and a crew and a concept for a movie that's taking the same mythology. I don't know, does it become like Deep Impact and Armageddon? Let's hope not, David. For all of the vicious accusations that came out of that movie matchup, plenty of hurt feelings went around between Deep Impact and Armageddon. So I hope that this is more collegial. I hope us as fans can respect both the film and the series for what they do and the highlights of the story that they tell, of the source material that they tell. Heading on into movie news with more from that interview, with Entertainment Weekly, David Gordon Green teases that we may not have seen the last of Real Housewives Beverly Hills Kyle Richard, who reprised her role of Lindsay Wallace in Halloween Kills, teasing we may see her in Halloween Ends. Mother Android is headed to Hulu December 17th, starring Chloe Grace Moratz and written by the Batman director Mattson Tomlin. The film shows Moratz as she goes on a treacherous journey to escape the country which is caught in an unexpected war with artificial intelligence, days away from 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 the arrival of her first child, she must face No Man's Land, a stronghold of the android uprising, in hopes of reaching safety before giving birth. AMC Plus is bringing us the killer nightly red Silent Night to the service on December 3rd. The film follows a group of Brits as they spend the end of the world celebrating Christmas at one of their country homes. Night Teeth director Adam Randall announced his first film with Paramount Players. Randall described the film as this fun monster movie that harkens back to the Amblin movies of yore. There's an intriguing conflict between a teenage girl and the older generation, but it also has thrills and actions of a monster movie. It's a great script. I loved Night Teeth and I am very excited to see Curfew when it hits theaters probably next year, maybe 2023. When you know, when I know, you'll know. Gather Round Sisters, Hocus Pocus 2 is filming now. According to Disney, the sequel is three young women who accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to modern day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child hungry witches from wreaking havoc of a new kind on the world. I'm very excited. I I love Hopus Pocus. It's something I watch every year. It's, I think, something everyone watches every year, and I'm excited to see everyone is back. It looks like it could be a fun time, and that'll be coming to Disney Plus next year for Halloween. Alicia Silverstone leads the film Last Survivor, and it has been acquired by Vertical Entertainment. The film is having its premiere at UK Fright Fest this weekend. It also stars Stephen Moyer and Drew Van Eckler The film will be headed to theaters and digital in February, and it is about a man who has established a utopia in a post-pocalyptic world. When he is injured, he must send his son to find medicine and gives him the order to kill any human he meets. The son disregards this order and falls into a forbidden relationship with a woman he meets in the woods. New Line Cinema has more horror headed your way, starting with Thaw, written by Jeremy Passmore. We've got no details beyond it's an environmental horror film which sounds interesting i'm very into eco horror films right now maybe it's the slow destruction of the planet we're living on but uh i enjoy it that's not all we've got from the house that freddie built though the new salem's lot film is coming out next year and prowl unwelcome from director john wright has a couple fighting against a dangerous goblin according to bloody disgusting the movie has quote Londoners, Maya and Jamie, escaping their urban nightmare to the tranquility of Ireland, only to discover malevolent, murderous goblins lurking in the ancient woods at the foot of their new garden. While heavily pregnant, Maya's relationship with the local families turns sour. Who or what will come rescue her and what extremes will she be going to to protect her unborn child? Uh, this film sounds great. I love Irish folklore and I feel like We're getting a lot of English, Irish horror films and they're all hitting that really like creepy gothic more vibes so i'm very excited it's from the director who made grabbers so the creatures are going to be 10 out of 10 william brent bell has started filming his next film the lord of misrule the film has been on a long two-year development cycle deadline says the film was written by tom vennells and follows rebecca holland who has taken over a paris church when her young daughter goes missing at a winter festival the villagers and the local police join in the desperate search however the closer they edge towards finding the girl the more secrets emerge from the town's dark past. Soon, Rebecca must decide how much she is willing to sacrifice to rescue her daughter from the grip of evil. Nicolas Cage's new film, Prisoners of Ghostland, is headed to Shutter on November 19th. The film that Cage dubbed as the wildest film he's ever made is directed by Suicide Club director Sian Sono. The film takes place in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town. A Ruther's banker, played by Cage, is sprung from jail by a wealthy lore lord whose adopted daughter has gone missing. The governor, who offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway, is strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct within five days. The bandit sets off on a journey to find the young woman and his own path to redemption. Final Destination has been quiet for a while now, but we learned this week that Patrick Melnin and Marcus Dunstan are are lined up to write the reboot. Exciting, I can't wait to hear from that. I think that series is one that is ready and ripe for a reboot. Filming is wrapped on Evil Dead Rise, the first film in the franchise in 10 years. Director Lee Cronin tweeted out eight months, one COVID lockdown, 6,500 liters of blood, and more memories than my brain can even process. That's a wrap on Evil Dead. Thank you, New Zealand. It's been a blast. Time to head home and cut this beast together. No release date yet, but we do know that when it premieres, it will be exclusive to HBO Max. James Wan was talking about the horror-centric Aquaman spin-off, The Trench, on Instagram. "Quote: I'll let you in on a secret. The canceled Trench spin-off movie was really going to be a secret black." Manta movie. Juan let this detail out on a post about the Black Mantis helmet that Yahya Abdul Abdin II will wear in Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. Agnes is headed to theaters and VOD on December 10th, starring Molly Quinn, Sean Gunn, and Mary Buss. The film shows a nun's disturbing behavior sparking rumors of demonic Possession at a remote conflict. When a priest in waiting and his disillusioned mentor are sent to investigate, their methods do nothing but leave a wake of terror and trauma. The trailer is out now. You should check it out. It looks pretty good. Bruce Campbell and Devin Sawa take on zombie hordes of crazed Christmas shoppers in Black Friday. The trailer showed a horror comedy set in a toy store on Black Friday while the clerks fight for their lives. Headed to theaters on November 19th and VOD on November twenty We're definitely covering this that week, so you should check it out when I check it out so we can all talk about it later. The Wolfman director has been announced, Derek C. in France, who worked with Wolfman star Ryan Gosling on Blue Valentine. The news came as a little bit of surprise as Invisible Man director and Saw creator Lee Wanell was in talks with Blumhouse to direct this film. Blumhouse seems to be helping out more with Universal monster movies. Netflix let us all know that more Army of the Dead movies are headed our way. Specifically, a sequel named Planet of the Dead will be making its way to us in the near future. A slight spoiler for the end of Army of the Dead, but the name of this new movie checks out since we saw that a zombie bite had made it past the quarantine zone of Las Vegas and was on a plane headed towards Mexico City. Fellow Robert Eggers fans rejoice. The Northman has a release date. It'll be headed to theaters on April 22nd. The Viking Revenge film will show just how far a viking prince will go to seek justice for his father. The film stars Alexander Skartgard, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, William Defoe, and Bjork. Felicity Jones is starring in a horror flick, Blood Mother, for new Regency films. Deadline let us know that the film will follow an Oxford professor who discovers her baby is inhuman and finds herself doing unmatchable things to keep him alive. No release date yet, but I love Felicity Jones, she was great in Rogue One, I think The premise of this movie sounds great. I am very intrigued that we are getting a lot more movies about how horrific motherhood could be. Like, we always have had that in horror. Like, Rosemary's Baby is a really good example. But it feels specifically that we're getting a lot of mother-related horror. And I'm always down to see stories of that nature. They're intriguing to me, and I, I just particularly like them. So I'm glad to see we're getting a lot of them. The Stephen King novella, Mr. Harrigan's Phone, is getting a feature film adaptation at Netflix. The novella, according to Bloody Disgusting, is about a young boy named Craig living in a small town who befriends an older billionaire named Mr. Harrigan. The two form a bond over books and an iPhone, but when the man passes away the boy discovers that not everything dead is gone and finds himself able to communicate with his friend from the grave through the iPhone that was buried with him. And now we're gonna move on to some Blu-ray releases. First up, we've got The Kindred coming to a limited Steelbook Blu-ray on December 14th. 3,500 pieces will be released. The set will include a new 4K restoration and an unreaded version of the film. I kinda can't wait to get my hands on it, so check in the show notes for how you can pre-order and where you can get it. Candyman is hedged to digital on November 2nd and Blu-ray on November 16th. Both releases will feature a never-before-seen alternate ending, and that is a surefire way to get me to buy your movie on Blu-ray. I can't wait to dig into this on the 16th, and I'm kind of glad now that there is an alternate ending that I hadn't covered this uh, movie on the podcast, and I will definitely be trying to squeeze it in at the end of this year, or maybe in the slow season at the beginning of next year. Now we're rounding up all the bits and bobs of the festive season. The Nightmare on Elm Street house is for sale. If you want to sleep where Nancy Thomas fought Freddie, then this news bit is for you. 1428 Janice Avenue is for sale for $3.25 million. It's a piece of horror film history, all of that. But like also it's just gorgeous on the inside. Like they've done a lot to update it. So it doesn't really look like it did in the 80s on the inside. But the house is beautiful. It looks on the outside, almost exactly like it did on the film. I think they painted the door black instead of having it be red. It's for sale and it's gorgeous. And I suggest everybody go stock the listing so you can see what it looks like on the inside now. Hot on the heels of the black and white Wolfman figure, an ECA teases a Dracula figure featuring Bella Lugosi. I love this whole series of black and white figures. I feel like you could do some serious, cool bookshelf decorating and like dioramaing with lights that would make them look fantastic. If you do that, please send me pictures. I would love to see it. And our last story this week is Gremlins 2 is headed to the Monster High collection this week. Greta Gremlin has green skin, green hair, and comes with her own adorable little gizmo. And now it's time to talk about our featured film, the 2021 Palme d'Or winner by Julia DeCorno, Tatin. Now, I have to start out by saying that I have loved DeCorno's work before Tatin. If you haven't seen Raw, you should definitely go watch it. I will say that both for Raw and Tatin, they are not for the faint of heart. These movies are horror movies, but not in the slasher, fun, reveal, crime, drama way that you could think. They are very much body horror movies, and they are very much touching on human situations that are horrific. And this one is wild in that, like, there's some other, like sci-fi stuff going on. I mean, I don't even know if I want to call it science fiction. It's it's not magical realism, but it's like straight up just absurdist concepts. I have a really hard time getting my thoughts clear together about this movie because on one hand, I do want to talk about how like bananas this movie is. From the opening scene to the end scene, this movie was uncomfortable to watch. It was captivating at the same time. It's beautifully shot and lit and all of the things you would expect from a Palme d'Or winner. I think that if you chalk up how crazy it is and how fast it moves and the gore and the violence and you just chalk up like how disturbing it is, you really are underselling this movie because... Underneath all of that veneer of gore and horror is a very moving and compelling story about identity, about who we are, about connection and human the need for human connection and i think that that is the thing that it gets me the most about this movie the more i think about it the less i focus on the horrific events that happened in this movie and the more i focused on the character arc of the main protagonist and how sad and tragic and beautiful the ending is even though they're not, even though they are traditionally not the person you would be rooting for. There's an article out today on Polygon that talks about monster girls and their place in horror and how we are now starting to see more monster girl icons. And while Alexia is not fantastical, like freddie she reminds me a little bit of patrick bateman if we were seeing patrick bateman through our own eyes not through american psycho's lens of what he is she is clearly We the movie opens with the second most disturbing uh car ride i've ever seen in a horror film the first goes to hereditary i don't think that will ever topped this one is right up there with it the next is a very visceral scene of them screwing a metal plate into someone's head and it's gory and it's graphic and it's very detailed and then we just see before the crash happens we see that Alexia's dad is distant from her And as that grow as the film goes on, that distance keeps growing. It is disturbing to watch the turn to find that Alexia isn't just a troubled girl with a plate in her head, for her to go from that into the full blown serial killer that she is. And then I do think the film does a really great thing. It it builds her up as this crazed serial killer who can't. connect with people and when she can't connect with them she kills them but then it does a very interesting thing in that like that is only the first like act of this movie it takes another thing which on its face could be just very horrific right she she's caught she's trapped she makes herself into this man that had been abducted as a kid and he she passes herself off as this abducted boy but there's a problem with that because several scenes earlier before her murderous rampage I guess I want to back up this movie is so hard to talk about because my thoughts are about it are like scattered everywhere because it's so like in your face a mile a minute and I don't like I completely forgot to talk about this part where she 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 kills this guy right like the first murder we see her commit it feels like a murder that you you would justify like specifically like as a woman who has been put in uncomfortable situations where men feel they have the right to touch you or kiss you or hug you or just be in your space right like how aggressive he is towards her when she takes her hairpin and stabs him it feels in a way justified i don't know what that says about me you see that and you're like oh shit she like killed someone like is that what this is gonna be about is she gonna be like trying to deal with that and what happens and it's that isn't what the movie is about. We do see her kill like I said for a lot in that first act of the movie but it's just contained to that first act. We see after that first murder she goes back into the motor club the motor show like area to take a shower and then all of a sudden we hear thumping and there is a lot of sex there are a lot of boobs there are a lot of nudity it is very graphic in nature a lot of it in this movie and I think it is used the best I have seen that in movies we see a car the car that she had been dancing on top of in a few scenes earlier its lights are on she walks to it she gets in it and then there is literally one of the most bizarre yet beautifully shot scenes in any film I've ever seen where she is having sex with a car and the car is bouncing. Like the shots are cuts between her and the car to make it look like they're having sex together. And you're like, okay, well, this is very strange. Like what is the car doing? That is just It's very strange. It does not become... It becomes so much stranger. It just becomes so much stranger after that. We see her find out she's pregnant. Uh, We see the girl who she was a dancer with, a fellow dancer of hers. She's with them at a house party where she murders everyone and that's kind of the climax of the murder. It's very it, it's like a very strange scene the way it's put together. She murders the girl that she was there with. She tries to give herself an abortion with the hairpin and that doesn't work. There's a scene between her and one of the house members where she like goes up to give him a hug and you're like so is she gonna have a breakdown and she's gonna go to jail. And the movie was always it was always hard to know where the movie was going to to go so because of how erratic Alexia acted in the beginning and we see that she comes home from murdering everyone she burns down the house with her parents in it we've seen like from the opening of the movie to scene where she has she's eating and her dad doesn't even talk to her and her mother talks to her and she doesn't feel good and her dad her mother says have her your dad check her out and her dad was does and is just like there's nothing wrong with you and she's she's pregnant is what's wrong with her. That's why she doesn't feel good. He doesn't say anything. She's on the run. And that's when, like like I said, it takes this other horrific turn where she assumes the life of a missing kid. This kid has been missing for 17 years. His father is still looking for him. They're doing up-aged pictures of it. They're talking about it on the news. Like he's still out there looking for his son. She tapes her boobs and her pregnant stomach up and then breaks her nose, which is like another horrible, like another horrifically violent scene in this movie that like I had to look away during. She becomes Adrian, boy of this man who disappeared and his father is so distraught and so upset that he doesn't have a DNA test done. He doesn't do any of those things. He just accepts that this person who says they're Adrian is Adrian. So he takes Adrian now back to Alexia to the fire station where he lives. He introduces them to the other firefighters that are under his command. He's a fire captain. He basically is like, you're going to do all of this work. And through this whole time, Alexia isn't speaking. And it's like, it's it's making him upset and he... There's a lot of emotional breakdowns from the dad where he just wants him to talk to him. And like, of course, like that would that wouldn't end well for Alexia. And so over time, though, we see Alexia and Vincent, the dad, form a connection with each other. Uh, Vincent is aging and he's starting to feel the effects of being older and how that affects his life as a firefighter and he is injecting himself with steroids. At one point in time Alexia is going to run away. She... like, this guy's, like, way too crazy about what I do and who I am. And so I got to get out of here. Like, I got to get on the run. Like, she finds Vincent almost overdosing to which She says, papa, papa. Like, she calls out to him like Adrian would have. Like, watching Alexia as Vincent accept the care and the connection that Vincent is giving her and not killing him is interesting. I mean, like, it's clear that Vincent is broken by the fact that his son was killing. like it has haunted him you can tell that he's like just longing for the connection that a father would have with a son he gets his ex-wife to come and see their son but she ends up seeing Alexia with her stomach out and not taped up and sees the whole thing and the only thing she asks she's like I don't care like whatever. Like just take care of Vincent. Just take care of him. Alexia says she will. Eventually Vincent comes along to see that she isn't, that Alexia isn't even a man. She is a woman and that she cannot be Vincent, his son. And he says that he doesn't care. He covers, it happens in a shower, scene where she's kind of out of the shower and her towel falls down and you see her breasts. And he says, I will keep caring for you and I will keep your secret. That like, They're like, they form like a bond together. So we start to see like, she's starting to get more pregnant and pregnant and pregnant. And then we see like, it comes, we're coming to the end of the movie. The climax of the movie is Alexia giving birth. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be this like, it's gonna be this thing where Alexia and Vincent are gonna have this kid that they can actually both understand, no. Vincent is going to give Alexia's baby a fantastic life, one would hope. Here's where it gets back into the weirdness of like, I can't, that I can't like put my hands on around this movie. We see her pushing and her stomach cracks open to show another giant titanium plate On her pregnant belly like the shape of her belly and she's pushing and she's pushing and Vincent is there and he's helping and he's like push push Adrian push and she says my name's Alexia and he's like push Alexia and he helps her birth the baby and we see as she gives the final thrust to bring life into the world uh, the titanium plate that was in her skull separates out from her head and so Alexia dies and Vincent is holding this baby and it's this touching moment and then it zooms into the baby and the baby has a titanium spine. I just, (laughs) I think that it's And, like, Vincent is down. Like, he's ready. He's gonna take care of it. And I think that, like, don't we all want a dad like Vincent who is just there and supportive, kind of shitty in his own ways of, like, what he expects of you, but then when push comes to shove, just wants to support you. I think if you can handle watching the gore and you can handle watching the outrageous concepts that are added into it, it is a very touching film. And I can see why it won the Palme d'Or like I understand it I think it's going to be a heavy contender for best foreign film at the Oscars. It is France's entry this year, so that'll be good. And I just hope more people watch it. I hope this isn't a film that because it is more art like and it is more art housey and it is less mainstream that it gets ignored. If you ever feel like cinema is boring and film is a very formulaic process, watch this film. You will not feel that way. There are plenty of these tiny little gems every year that take form and how we think about horror and flip them on their head. And I think that Titine does that for the formula of how you tell a story and how a story is set. And I think it also does that in the visuals and the combination of fantastical and reality that it puts together. So yeah, that's Tatine. I gave it on Letterbox a four and a half out of five. I think there's just a couple things... F- For me, that I feel keep it from being a five, but overall, four and a half out of five, it's fantastic and I would watch it. So that's gonna do it this week. It's almost Halloween. I have a special episode headed for you on Halloween. We're gonna talk about my top five favorite Halloween day based movies. So, movies that, horror movies that take place on Halloween. So, that will be in your feeds on Sunday. I hope you all have a fantastic Halloween. Halloween weekend, get all that candy, wear a costume, watch some scary movies, and as always, you know what time it is, sleep or don't.